it is time for another coffee drop. We like to do these just every now and then when the urge arises. It has arisen. It has arisen. This time through a special guest, Dr. Alicia McCartney. You just happened to be walking around. Yeah, just happened to, hey, I want to come in and do a coffee yeah, drop. Absolutely. But you wanted to come in and discuss ChatGPT with us on a coffee drop, and we're excited to hear your ideas and so yeah. yeah what do you got for us yeah so i've been thinking a lot about ChatGPT, and i really appreciate the previous episodes of the podcast that really helpful as i was thinking about how is this going to change my pedagogy this year because i feel like there were two massive changes and I'm, I'm still pretty early in my career i started teaching writing my second year in grad school so that was 2015 um, and the major shift was 2020, where we went to high flex learning with COVID, and then ChatGPT, I think, has been another equally field moving and shaking shift in, in writing and literature uh, studies and teaching. So I did a lot of introspection, talked to you guys some over the summer as I was doing course planning and prep. And I think one of the most helpful things is just thinking through um, why do I choose to use it or not use it in my course and what my goals are. Um, and I'm, I'm not uh, on the side of, you know, I'm never going to use it, but I do have some concerns that I'm still working through. So I figured I'd just kind of talk to you guys about my process and get some feedback and, and hear from you all about that as sure. well. Sounds good. We're all for hearing about how people are, because we're walking through that process ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's going to be different for every person, mm-hmm. I think, and, and and specifically in different disciplines, you're going to use it differently. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm curious. Let's do it. Yeah. So I guess as I was thinking about it, just as philosophy of education, I was thinking about what do I want students to learn or produce in my course? What am I most concerned about? And I think about like, am I looking for students to produce products or am I looking for students to grow through a process? I mean, I think ChatGPT is is useful in certain applications where the product is really all you care about. So I think about like if you're if you're trying to, you know, market a product and you want six different marketing ideas, or you know, you're trying to produce business copy or something that follows like a pretty pretty formulaic way of writing certain things. Um, I, I think that. ChatGPT could be really useful in those settings. Um, But when I think about like a freshman level composition course, what I most want students to do is build into the process. So what I'm interested in is not, can you produce, you know, a beautiful A essay, but by doing the work, do you learn to think critically? Do you learn to craft an elegant sentence that communicates meaning to your reader? Um, And, you know, you could get an elegant sentence that communicates meaning from ChatGPT, but you're going to be shortcutting yourself in the process. And so one of the examples that I used is I tell them I'm a runner um, and I, you know, I, I train, I, I run, um, and I'm going to run a marathon today after class. And they're very impressed for about 30 seconds. And then I tell them that I will, I will complete that marathon in my car. <laughs> As I'm driving home <laughs> from Cedarville, uh, I have, well, I guess it's a 15 mile commute one way. So in, in a day, I will run an ultra marathon um, in, in my vehicle. <laughs> and so, you know, they're, they're not as impressed anymore um, because it's a shortcut. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's not actually building me in any way. In fact, it's probably not great for my health that I'm sitting in a car for an hour every day uh, instead of, you know, being active, being on my feet. And so the whole goal of running 
is to form me as a person who wants to be healthy, who wants to see physical transformation. And if I get a great race time, that's amazing. And that's a, you know, that's a cool thing to work for. Um, but it's, it's not my end goal. My end goal is more of that process and the way that running shapes me. And so writing's the same way. Writing's like a muscle that you can build um, by investing in that process. And, you know, in, in my class, you want to get obviously a product at the end. You want to get an essay. You, you know, everybody in my class wants to get good grades. They're all concerned about that. But honestly, the ratio of product to process, in my mind, when I'm thinking about a student, I want probably about, you know, 80 to 90% of what they get out of that class is through the process. They might write a research paper and at the end of the day, when they're done, they see like, hey, there's probably you know 10 different things the next time I write a research paper that I would do way differently than I did on this paper. And that's like, for me, that's success because then the mm. next class they go into, they've already done it once and they know how to do it better the next time. Mm. And that might not reflect in their final grade for composition, but it will reflect in as they grow and as they you know continue to learn from that process, how they use that muscle. It was interesting when, when Jared and I, this summer evaluated, or I should say you evaluated your comp course, one of the things you said to me was that you asked their students, you know, would you use ChatGPT to write something and for you? And or something along that lines. Am I am I getting that right? Basically I gave them opportunities to use it in the writing process, not for the end product, but for brainstorming and drafting and stuff. And as I had them do it in each step and I had them evaluate and reflect and say, would you use this again? At the very beginning, pre-writing, yes, definitely for brainstorming. When it got closer to the end product, there was less interest in using ChatGPT. Yeah. So And I think like that's that's a really cool, you know, I think students when they're when they're getting it, they really own their own work. Uh, and I, I've seen that. So I did actually use ChatGPT in my course last week, uh, and I introduced them to it, and I used it for a peer review. So I had them reading each mm -hmm. other's essays and evaluating it. And then, so I had each person had a partner, and then their partner, with their permission, because I think there's some data security issues that still make me nervous. So there are a couple people that I allowed to opt out um, and told them, you know, there's no pressure. You're not going to lose credit if you don't want to do this. But um, partner would put the essay in and put in specific prompts. So uh, the prompt that I tried a few different prompts, I'm still trying to refine this, but uh, the one that I landed on was uh, list three specific areas where the essay needs more concrete detail. And then ChatGPT gave a good printout. And so they put the ChatGPT feedback they also gave their own feedback, and then they had to evaluate whether ChatGPT was right, given their expertise from sitting in the course for four weeks, what they knew about my expectations, what they knew about good writing uh, from you know learning in that course. And, and the reaction was really interesting. Honestly, looking at the reports, I think that ChatGPT actually pushed, because peer review is always a mixed bag, right? You have some reviewers mm -hmm. who are really detailed and really helpful. You have some reviewers that, you know, all they focus on is like, fix these two commas and it was great. Um, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> not, not super helpful. And having ChatGBT actually, I think, pushed some of those reviewers who are maybe a little bit likely to be a little too nice to go a little deeper, add a little more detail to their their reviews and give some more helpful feedback. And I at least noticed that I got more feedback from the students as well as like when I had ChatGPT there too. I think that what's interesting to me though in this whole conversation 
is I'm curious as to what it does to the student after they have the experience with ChatGPT. And what was curious when he said, you know, they didn't want it writing for them. And it kind of resonated with me, and I don't know if it resonates with you, either of you, um, that it felt like I was being stolen. Yeah. It felt like somebody was stealing something from me. Yes. I got that response from my students. And that feeling didn't go away. And I think that might be the key or a key, a variable. Yeah. Right? And keeping students, not all, but I think a vast majority of them, because we all have this built-in uh, sense of right and wrong and justice. Yeah. And I, f I find that students are much more likely to cheat when they don't understand the purpose behind an assignment and they feel like it's busy work and they don't really care about it. So yeah. this summer, there were about three to six discussion boards in my comp class that I just deleted and I'm moving them to in-class discussions because they're really easy to cheat with using ChatGPT. And I was thinking through my goals and I was thinking we could have this discussion in class and it would be just as productive. I don't need them to do this outside the classroom. So really emphasizing that the things that I have them write are there for particular pedagogical goals and communicating what those goals are, I think helps kind of counteract some of that. I was thinking about at the beginning of the semester, you know, using ChatGPT for grading assignments. And I, at least where I landed right now is that I, as much as I have so much grading to do, and as much as it's not my favorite thing, I mean, I don't think really any academic enjoys grading. If I did that, I would miss the relational component of getting to know a student, of getting to know their writing, and even just the the intellectual pleasure of thinking through what they're saying and their ideas and taking them seriously and considering them. There's such a such a relational component to writing. And ChatGPT doesn't love my students. Mm. <laughs> Only I can do that. And ChatGPT might be able to give some helpful feedback on certain things, but it's not going to be able to frame it in a way that communicates love. And mm. I think that's part of why, because we talked about this in, in their peer review, I think that's part of why they wouldn't want to just use ChatGPT for peer review because the whole point is I wrote this. I want my mm. classmates to read it. I want you know, some feedback from this person sitting next to me and ultimately I want to reach an audience and if I'm just writing in a vacuum that is so unsatisfying. Yeah. I think the place I find it helpful, ChatGPT or AI in general, uh, with like tools like ProWritingAid. Love ProWritingAid. I mean, I like Grammarly, but I love ProWritingAid better. And I think the reason why I like it is because it flags things, but it doesn't it doesn't fix them for you automatically, especially with complex sentences. So it will give you the grammar and, well, I mean, it'll give you the rules. It'll, it'll reference things, but it will flag it and it'll say, make this less complex. So you still have to go through the process of, all right, how do I get it to shut off? Essentially, how do I get that little yellow line that's underneath my sentence to go away? Then you realize, after you do that a couple of times, you see the patterns. Mm -hmm. You see the patterns of your own writing, and you realize that you, you, you put a lot of filler words in Absolutely. that are not necessary. When the goal is, as I told Jared today, as we were talking about dissertation things as he's working on his, the goal that one of my mentors said, and I related to him, was 
precise, parsimonious prose. I love that. <laughs> um, that's a difficult thing. Yes. For us as individuals because we throw words in that we don't need to use. I. Oh, yeah. All the time, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I think about a tool that helps students learn to self-edit so that they don't need that tool as a crutch. Because I think the problem can come when a tool becomes a crutch and, you know, if a student is, is actually learning and able, like you said, to spot patterns in their own writing, that tool helps them and then they're able to do that on their own. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think ultimately, eventually, hopefully those ticks of writing many, many words that don't need to be in there go away as they edit and edit. Their first drafts get better and better as they learn to take some of that fluff out. Those tools need to have a component to it where it's like, I know that Grammarly sends you like a weekly digest and says, hey, you wrote this many words right. this week. I wish there was a way that it would evaluate and say, hey, you had this many prepositional phrase problems or infinitive splits or comma splices last week. But you're writing this week, you've improved. Just just show that growth there. Mm -hmm. Instead of it being like, hey, you made this many mistakes. and Or, <laughs> hey, that there's, would be great. there's 35 mistakes in this one paragraph. You screwed up 137 <laughs> you know, times. I, I, I wish there was a way that show, I guess you could almost gamify it to where it's like, hey, shoot for less than this. And here are the tools you can work on to do that. So that was point one of your... Yeah, this is the longest coffee drop ever. <laughs> Please edit this. it's now 3.53. <laughs> precise, parsimonious prose. Yeah. yeah. Precise, parsimonious podcast. podcast. Yes. <laughs> Boom! I didn't think I was going to get get that back on me today. That's all right. <laughs>